0: preseason game number two and it will be a challenge no doubt welcome bird gang on today's show zach gershman joins me got the defending super bowl champions in town this weekend that would be the kansas city chiefs who just six months ago walked out of state farm stadium with the lombardi trophy the week of preparation has been different at least compared to the previous three weeks it's cardinals cover two episode 663 and it starts now Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a 5, he's in again! Some more Murray magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. Wait a second. What are you doing, Zach? You were across from me like 30 seconds ago. Now you're closer to... Not that I don't like you, but... No, you could say you don't like we, me. We have this buffer. We have this long table that can separate the two of us. And yet, here you are immediately to my right.
1: I just can't believe we're starting this
0: podcast
1: like this, Craig. Like we They, they don't see me right now. They don't see that I just sat in Jonathan Ledbetter's sweat. You need to paint the picture. Okay, so I just sat in Jonathan Ledbetter's sweat. And now, I mean, JG's wants the blood, sweat, the tears. I got the sweat part down pat, courtesy of Ledbetter.
0: All right, well, let's give everyone the full story here. Jonathan Ledbetter in studio before our show, Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, because he is this week's guest on the Big Red Rage. Ooh. Practice ended in... Speaking of practice, I'll say this. I said it earlier in the week, Zach. I prefer Cards Camp. In Glendale versus Tempe because it's air-conditioned inside State Farm Stadium. And there is no air conditioning outside in Tempe.
1: So this is my one-month anniversary of starting here with the Arizona Cardinals. So happy anniversary to me. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Georgia. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, you guys really shielded me from this Arizona heat. I thought I was getting treated out there in State Farm. The walk from the car into the stadium was hot in and of itself. And then it's just jump right into the heat. And it's not even like hot heat it's like burning on you type heat like in the east coast where i'm used to everything it's like you feel your humidity you don't want to be outside then either but here i mean thank god there was trees and there was shade
0: but the shades the leaves still move out the way and you still feel that sun and i still feel that burn they call it a dry heat though this week it felt literally like an oven the humidity was a little bit higher There was hardly any breeze as we complain about being outside. It's triple digits, and yes, the the sky was clear. Just when you're standing and there's no natural breeze, yeah, it was, again, first world problems. A little difficult watching practice this week. And that is why Jonathan Ledbetter, when he came into studio, it was literally right off the practice field. I mean, I was sweating too, but I've had time to cool off and I was
1: not going against an offensive line. So, like, I mean, listen, it's 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 a give and take. I understand. Um, Nick Rawls came into the press conference room. Right away it was like, <laughs> it is hot out there. I mean, he is wearing a hoodie, so I, I, I understand. But us in polos and shorts,
0: um, it's, it's hot too. It was not like this during the offseason as far as OTAs and minicamp. It was not nearly this unbearable as far as just how thick the air was. And then, of course, you move into late July, early August, and you go into State Farm Stadium, the air conditioning of course this week, which, again, a dry heat during what JG called a dry run because they broke cards camp in State Farm Stadium a week early. This is still, at least to me, Training camp, but now they're doing in Tempe a week before, or I should say, the week leading up to preseason game number two. And this is a dry run to what Gannon and his coaches kind of want or think the regular season schedule will be like. Meaning, you have a walkthrough in the bubble, team stretch in the bubble, go outside for position drills, some seven on seven, and 11 on 11 special teams work. Maybe you go back in the bubble, maybe you just do everything outside. But this seems to be what the schedule will be once you get to the regular season. And that is mainly outside, maybe a little bit earlier in the day as opposed to late afternoon practices. But I like it. And listening to a lot of the players, Zach, it doesn't seem like a lot of them had experienced a dry run in the midst of training camp. Yeah, and
1: it's been uh, something that JG has tried to incorporate by saying, we know that the heat's not leaving us anytime soon, so we got to get acclimated to it right now. And with the team going to Minnesota next week, they recognize that the first time that, they, that they're that they going to be on the heat, they don't want it to be when you're seeing an opposition. You, they don't want it to see when you're at these joint practices. So getting it started here, and Colt McCoy has been very complimentary of saying that this uh, dry run is like we're getting ready for the season. Same with DJ Humphrey's Um Michael Wilson talked a little bit about it today from a rookie's perspective. Yelda Froholt was talking about it from the offensive line perspective as well, that they're getting used to it. They're getting used to these dry runs. It's not as much watching film as much as it is preparing yourself for your team focusing on your guys, but the focus still is on the Kansas City Chiefs for this Saturday.
0: It's about the process. What does it the take? operation. Yes. What does it take to get to Sunday? And that's what the NFL is. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, game on Sunday. And the athlete loves the routine. And this is to try to get the Cardinals and the coaches and everyone else into that routine, week one at Washington. But this week, as you mentioned, you got the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs in town Saturday night at State Farm Stadium. 5 o'clock is the kickoff. Remember, the preseason opener on Friday was at 7 p.m., This game on Saturday, 5 o'clock, 1.30 pregame coverage begins. And yes, the Super Bowl champs in town. It was, what, six months ago they walked out of State Farm Stadium with that Lombardi trophy. And here they are once again in preseason game number two, which, at least from the Chiefs standpoint, Andy Reid has said the starters will play the entire first half. At least that is his Plan going in, maybe something happens and mm-hmm. he pulls some guys. But the plan is is for the ones to play the first half, and then they'll mix in the twos and threes in the second half. As of this recording here on Thursday of game week, we don't quite know exactly what the Cardinals' plan is. Even if there was availability on Friday, we wouldn't know what nope. the Cardinals' plan is because JG just does not share that with us ahead of time. Until I mean, I know, to go back a little
1: bit to what you are saying about the Kansas City Chiefs. Pretty sure they started the season last year at State Farm Stadium as well against the Cardinals. Correct. So they're they're playing as many games as any other team in the NFL in State Farm Stadium behind the Arizona Cardinals.
0: They began the season at State Farm Stadium and ended the season at State Farm Stadium.
1: Yeah, and I was was there for that last one. They definitely (laughs) seemed to be happy leaving that stadium with the Lombardi. But coming back into the stadium – so was Nick Rawlis. So was Jonathan Gannon. They were both on those on the sidelines for that last game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, they were on the Philadelphia Eagles sideline. But going into this game, Nick Rawls said he's got he's not taking anything away from what they last had at the Super Bowl. This is an entirely new group, entirely new staff. He's got an entirely new role, as does Jonathan Gannon. And when you compete against the reigning Super Bowl champions and you're expected to see Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and all the other stars that the Kansas City Chiefs have on their sideline, as well as one of the best coaches of all time in Andy Reid. You're going to want to have that competition. Nick Rollins said how much he loves competition. And when you have these training camps against the Minnesota Vikings, okay, that's one thing. But competition is one thing in and of itself when it's game time.
0: It will be a great, as they say, measuring stick. Where do the Cardinals stack up against the Chiefs? And yes, it is a preseason game. I don't think there's a lot of game planning as far as what do the Chiefs do well, all right, how do we combat that? Because right now the Cardinals aren't still they're not quite a team yet. It's still ninety players trying to whittle down to fifty-three plus a practice squad. So as we've heard from coaches and players, it is more about us than it is them. Yet, how do the Cardinals stack up against the Chiefs and that offense, that defense with Trent McDuffie and Justin Reed in the secondary? Because it is, are you winning your individual battles? Michael Wilson talked about that, winning your one of 11, meaning do what you're supposed to do in that particular play, in that particular drive, in that particular quarter, and then you come to the sideline. Now, if that means you're going out for a pass, that you're going to catch it or you're in there to block or do something else or be a decoy, but be one of 11, meaning do what you're supposed to do, and then hopefully everyone else follows.
1: And you have that one assignment is what he was talking about. Normally you're not going to be doing three, four, five things in one play. You have your one assignment, whether that is to block, whether that is to come down with a tough grab or whatever it is, but going out there and doing 100% of that. And on the defensive side of it, you got guys like Keetrel Clark who are trying to make a name for themselves, but back in college, they had their notes all jotted down. He had his notes all jotted down about the top two wide receivers against the teams he was playing against. He said that the focus is on training camp and preseason, doing the best that he can, acclimating to the NFL. But he's going to see a wide receiver group that he has not seen yet. Those are new players that he's going to jot down notes. He already said he has a notebook full of Michael Wilson. Now he's going to go against another team, trotting down those notebooks in hopes of becoming
0: one of those 53. You're trying to get ready for week one. And remember, in the preseason upper, we did not see James Conner, DJ Humphreys, Buda Baker, Kaiser White. Those players did not see any action. They did go through pregame stretch but did not see the field. I'll throw in Hollywood Brown as well, although he was not quite as full a participant during training camp at the stadium as he was as opposed to the others. And I'm curious now – You know, I don't think we need to see Connor. I don't think we need to see any of those five. And I'm not expecting Zach Ertz to play on Saturday. He was just activated off the physically unable to perform list. They're going to slow play him. And this is really the last for a lot of these players. This is the last quote-unquote game before week one because next week in Minnesota, the joint practices Wednesday and Thursday those are more important to a James Conner, a Buda Baker, than the game against the Vikings on that Saturday afternoon because what you see Wednesday and Thursday, there are going to be a lot of players you don't see on Saturday in the game. Exactly. And for those
1: joint practices, Yelda Froholt said that there's not as many cameras, the lights are not as bright, it's really all about pride. It's your boys, your guys versus their guys. And that's why I think we see a lot of chippiness when it comes to these joint practices because there's so much pride on the line on top of just trying to defend your brother that you have to the right or to the left of you to the left of you you're also trying to earn your keeps you're trying to earn your spot on this roster so that's why a lot of stuff goes into place but you mentioned about how dj and buddha and james connor and kaiser white they were on the sidelines for that first preseason game it was asked to dj humphreys do you feel like you need to be playing these preseason games? And he said, I think I'm one of those guys that doesn't necessarily need it because I could go right into week one and yeah, I might miss trying to punch somebody in the face as he said it during the during his press conference. but he also wants to try out some things and that's the benefit of preseason is you get to do things in preseason when the games don't count in hopes of trying your trick plays, new opportunities, you're playing you're putting players in that you otherwise would not play. That's what preseason is all about. And for a nine year vet like DJ Humphreys, he doesn't necessarily think he needs that. Does it help? Of course it does. Reps are good for everybody. Yep. But he knows that it's not necessarily what he needs
0: to You'd do. You'd knock the rust off, especially if you haven't done much. And Humphreys hasn't done much this offseason because he was recovering from a back injury. Yet at the same time, I think we all are aware of what Humphreys can do for oh, yeah. this offensive line. And you brought up Yellow to Froholt. I know you got a story. If it hasn't already been posted, it will be on the Cardinals' starting center. And I say starting center because here we are going into week two of the preseason. And I think... Froholt has solidified. I'm not saying he's a week one starter, but in the offseason, it was more 50-50. I think maybe they'll bring in a veteran to compete. Well, we did see a veteran brought in during training camp. That was Pat Elfline. He has not been practicing this week, so I'm not exactly sure if we will see number 50 on the field on Saturday. But Froholt has maintained that first team rep at center throughout the entire offseason, throughout training camp so far and the first preseason game, it is his job. It's been his job to lose and I'm not really seeing anyone move up whether that is offline or even a John Gaines to take it from Frohold. Yeah, John Gaines has done a really
1: solid job, but he's he's still a rookie, still is trying to he he's only played against one team so far. And that's been the Denver Broncos. He hasn't seen much competition as opposed to Yelda Froholt, who has five years in the league. And when he was with the Patriots and when he was with the Cleveland Browns, he played some center and he also played some right guard. Now coming here to the Arizona Cardinals, starting here with the team, he said today during the press conference, it's been nice just being able to focus on one position. He knows how he's going to be able to, Help guys like Elijah Wilkinson and Will Hernandez on the side, onto on his right and to his left, if they get into sticky situations, which they're going to end up doing. It's football, it happens. Having that experience as a guard helps him as a center, but just being able to focus on his preparation in one position, not having to do both, is something that's really helped him. And I think we could see that throughout these training camps, uh, throughout these training camp practices, because as you mentioned, he's kind of separated himself from the pack. Because now you you came in with that question mark. Who's going to be the starting center? That's what we talked about, I believe, on the first cover two I was on, is who's going to be that starting center? Three weeks later, we, we have our answer pretty much.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's a question anymore this close to week one. And he had two plays go viral after the Friday win over the Broncos. One was against Zach Allen, the pancake. And then the other one was out in space, blowing up a cornerback. And you like to see that. One, you like to see the athleticism of your starting center. One, being able to out-muscle a defensive lineman and then get out in space and either pull to the left or pull to the right or be a part of that blocking brigade, if you will, for a running back or a wide receiver on a screen pass. But I've been impressed so far by Froholt, and it's interesting because he said something earlier on Thursday that I had not thought about, and then when you kind of think about it, you're like, he's absolutely correct. These five guys on the offensive line right now, left to right DJ Humphreys, Elijah Wilkinson, Yelda Froholt, Will Hernandez, and Paris Johnson Jr. These five guys, they have not played one as a unit before this season, but none of them have the experience of playing with the guy next to them, whether that's to the left or to the right, or in the case of the interior, both your left and your right. And you're like, really? Well, okay, well, Humphreys is returning, but he plays left tackle. Well, Hernandez is returning. Well, he plays right guard. So they're not even on the same side of the ball at this point as far as left and right. And then you think, yeah, you're throwing in three brand-new faces with two returners, and there's really nothing that they can go back and lean on and say, all right, this is what we do best. They've had to come together from day one, and remember, Humphreys – Did not do a lot in the offseason. He only participated, I think, in a couple of minicamp practices. So it's basically since late July that this offensive line has has come together as a group. And it's funny because we just talked about, is DJ
1: Humphreys even going to play? We might not even have that answer until the team travels to Washington for that first game to see how this first unit really gels together, especially if DJ Humphreys does not play in this upcoming game against Kansas City. You doubt he's going to play if if at all against Minnesota the following week, but it's very interesting because the communication, especially on that offensive line, the battle of the game is one in the trenches. And if you don't have that sort of communication and camaraderie, you're definitely gonna see some holes in the, You're definitely gonna see some holes in your offensive line, despite how talented they all might be individually. When you're when you're that blocking brigade, when you're that blocking brigade as you described, you got to be collective. You got to be all as one. In it hasn't it hasn't been that we haven't really seen that outside a couple of practices but once you're in a game situation
0: it's very different i think the first real test will be those two joint practices in minnesota because you're right if Humphreys does not play this week then you're going into week one without the offensive line playing in a quote- unquote game because again as i said those two joint practices are more important than that final third preseason game so Humphreys doesn't play Saturday. He's not going to play against the Vikings in the week later. Mm-hmm. So those two joint practices, those five guys outside of going up against their own defense, well, that will be their first true test before the season begins. And it doesn't seem like Jonathan Gannon or Drew Petsing
1: or is really concerned about that, at least not publicly, because they... They're perfectly fine with the veterans. JG has said that it's going to be a case-by-case, individualized basis as to how much people play during the preseason. So it doesn't seem like they're really concerned about getting them integrated into the line. Obviously, you want to have years of experience on that offensive line together as one unit. But this, this group doesn't have that right now. And maybe it's just me. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't seen as much of it. I get it. You want to keep your your veterans healthy. You don't think that those preseason games matters as much, but if JG's as convinced as he is about every single time you step between those white lines, you're going to win a football game. You're going to also want to put your best players in for those best reps as possible with that first unit. So, I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see who jots out onto the field on Saturday against the Chiefs.
0: They are working together in the classroom, studying film. It just hasn't materialized on the field as far as, again, in a preseason game, especially if Humphreys doesn't play on Saturday. But I'll say this, individually, you don't have to be the best at your respective position on the offensive line, but collectively, collectively. How do you guys gel together? And that chemistry on field, well, it starts off the field, getting to know the guy as a person and then being able to communicate and feel comfortable with whoever is lining up next to you to your left or your right. Because as I say, you know, it is when you go to battle, who do you want in the foxhole with you? And if you're yelled to Froholt, well, you've got Elijah Wilkinson and Will Hernandez on either side of you. And he says that's a lot of room. Or as far as – he called it a lot of presence in there as far as those three guys on the interior of the offensive line. So, yeah, the chemistry is there. We just haven't seen it on the football field. But even with a Kelvin Beecham at left tackle, I thought the offensive line held up real well against the Broncos' defense.
1: I definitely agree. And one of the things that Yelda Froholt talked about was how – The team, in order to gain that chemistry off the field, they've been doing some dinners together, although it hasn't been many. They've had some. And DJ Humphrey said specifically about Yelda Froholt, he said that that guy came into the room. They had no sort of connection to one another ahead of time. And once he came into the room, it wasn't like there was any weird outlier once that happened. When you have so many new faces, you kind of expect for that to happen. But off the field, they seem to be doing really well. And to go to go to the game on Friday against the Denver Broncos, the offensive line did hold up pretty well, I thought. The quarterbacks stayed upright majority of the game. There really was not many hits taken on them, especially not many sacks throughout the game. So the offensive line did a good job until you started getting towards the latter half of the game. Then it started to open up a little bit, and some weaknesses were starting to show a little bit. But I thought overall the offensive line did great. And when you have a guy like Kelvin Beecham, who played a ton last year, He's coming in with that experience, and he's not one of those guys you have a circle around saying, can he hold up? You know he's going to hold up.
0: Preseason game number two, Saturday night, Kansas City Chiefs in town. Again, 5 p.m. is the kickoff. One thirty, the pregame coverage begins. I mentioned that Pat Elfline, has not been practicing or at least has not been spotted during the open portion of practice this week. Neither has Cameron Thomas or Jeff Driscoll. Thomas has basically been a spectator watching his fellow edge rushers practice, so would not expect to see either of those three on the field this week. What I do hope to see on the field is guys that we did not see play against the Broncos, specifically Trey McBride, Keonta Ingram, and MyJay Sanders. Those three, especially McBride as your number 2 tight end. Ingram, can he be that number 2 running back? And then MyJ Sanders, can he do what he did in limited reps a year ago, take that year one to year two leap and be an outside linebacker, be a dominant edge presence, rush the passer, set the edge on the running plays? Those three I want to see hopefully on Saturday. Don't know if we will, but I think those three players – and maybe more so Ingram than anyone else because Bride's going to be on this team, Sanders is going to be on this team, but those three need reps in order to convince the coaches that they are ready to go week one. It's one thing to do the work on the side, in the classroom, in the film room, but I think they need to see some reps, specifically those three players. I definitely agree, and when it comes to Keontae Ingram,
1: you definitely want to see that battle between Corey Clement and now, we saw Corey walk off the field with an undisclosed injury. He was back in practice the, the following days. So there was no necessarily concerns about that. But you do lose the back in that situation for game-time situation, a game-time scenario. When it comes to MyJ Sanders, you know, you definitely want to see what he's able to do. He gave spurts last year and how that was where his interests were, like, on that on that line, how he was able to get to the quarterback started off slow, and then right away, you started to see spurts of him and Cam Thomas together all at one. And with Trey McBride, with the activation of Zach Ertz, you want to see that tight end too, especially in an offense where the tight ends are very heavily used. You want to see what he's able to do, what he's able to bring to the field throughout training camp. We didn't see much of him. He was off to the side doing individual workouts for the most part, especially when they got to 7 on 7 and 11 on 11. We didn't see him until the last two days of training camp, I believe it was, on the field. So to see if he's able to come in, how he gels with Colt McCoy, who's the expected and will be the starting quarterback against the Kansas City Chiefs, will will definitely be pretty unique.
0: My J had that hand wrapped in training camp. He missed almost ten practices. I believe the final count was eight. And then McBride has been limited. Didn't really go through a full practice until late in Cards camp at State Farm Stadium with an undisclosed injury, and you look at that tight end position because if you want to play two, three tight ends, Zach Ertz coming off an ACL injury, McBride dealing with whatever he is dealing with, Noah Tongi who missed a couple of days of practice, has returned. Those are your top three, perhaps, and then Jeff Swaim, there's four, and the only one that really has been on the field consistently outside of the last couple of practices at State Farm Stadium was Tongui. Yeah. And he certainly flashed a lot, but he did not play against the Broncos either. So throw him as another name to want to see get some game reps against the Kansas City Chiefs because I do think that tight end room is going to be so important to what this offense, Andrew Petzing wants to do. When it comes to Noah Tugge, I he was Colt McCoy, one of his top
1: targets during the open practices at State Farm Stadium when we were able to see it. He made a lot of spectacular catches and We randomly just did not see him on the field. We weren't told of any injury. We just saw him on the sidelines, and then he does not play against the Denver Broncos. It was good to see him in the helmet and pads at the previous practices here at the Dignity Health Training Center because he is a big part of that offense, and he's somebody that Colt McCoy heavily was relying on during the first couple weeks of training camp, and somebody that has been on the field, two players in the tight end room, Bernard Sykovitz and Blake Whitehart. Both of them are drenched in sweat, similar to Jonathan Ledbetter in the beginning, because they are just nonstop on the field, especially with how the tight end room has taken... A hit with some of the injuries over the first couple of weeks of training camp.
0: So those are some of the names that we hope to see this weekend. And then you look at preseason game number two and as how well things went in the opener as far as the operations and then the players that we did see, especially some of the younger players i.e. quarterback Clayton Toon and then just a different look for Zayvon Collins as an edge rusher Isaiah Simmons playing deep safety. Alright, so you did things well in week one. Now you got to stack that and do it again in Week 2? It's not so much about the end result against the Chiefs, but can Clayton Toon maybe be a little bit quicker out of the gate, not look so much like a rookie his first couple of series and then closed it out very well against the Broncos? And then do we see more of Zayvon Collins outside of the handful of snaps that he did get? Is there someone else in that edge rusher room that can make a play or stand out on film to where all of a sudden now, all right, you're on the radar do it again against the Vikings in those joint practices, and then push for a roster spot at the end of the month. 100%. With
1: Clayton Tune, 13 for 23 for 135 yards, a touchdown and interception to Rondell Moore, who slipped, is not a bad stat line, but it's the fact that some of those incompletions were the rookie mistakes overthrowing Greg Dorch, I believe it was three times in the game on the same flat route that he had him open on throughout the throughout the game against the Broncos. And he said obviously any rookie quarterback's gonna want some throws back, but those are the the, the footwork was a little bit off in some of those moments. And that's what separates the rookie quarterback from the quarterback that's been in the league for a handful of years. And you're going to have a pretty darn good quarterback on the other side of the field when it comes to Patrick Mahomes. So, it's, I mean, it's not like, it's not like Russell Wilson was a bad quarterback either to be going against and Clayton Toon took the same amount of reps on the field as Russell Wilson did. They were both on the field at the same time when those offenses were switching over. And with Zayvon Collins, it's like an it's like an outside linebacker by committee, essentially, because of how many pass rushers that they do have. Dennis Gardick, Zavin Collins. We talked about Cam Thomas, My J. Sanders. You got B.J. Ojolari, Victor DiMakage, Jesse Lucchetta. That is a linebacker room where you wonder, how are all these guys going to make the roster? Will all of them? And it's been asked to J.G. and to Nick Rollis how they like that. And obviously, they're going to say that they like it. Do they want somebody to emerge? They want competition. That's the overall theme that we're getting from this. But Zayvon Collins, they describe as a violent man, a dominant man. And we saw some pass rushing in the previous game against the Broncos. Now you're going against the reigning champs on their offensive line. They did not take many hits uh, in terms of losing players. So he's going to be going against some of the best.
0: How many of those eight outside linebackers make the team? How many of those, if you're not part of that initial rotation as far as defensive snaps, how many of those are involved on special teams in order to be one of those 48 players that are active on game day, that's something I think will be determined, but can you flash now here against the Kansas City Chiefs there's some other players can a Keitrell Clark do what he did again but against maybe better competition whether that is seen being opposite a Sky Moore and facing a quarterback in Patrick Mahomes what about Christian Matthew those are your top 2 cornerbacks opposite Marco, Marco. Wilson that you know again you flash once Can you do it again to where you don't get lost and all of a sudden you become a one-hit wonder? Can these rookies, these second, third-year players that are still young, fighting for a roster spot, continue to progress and show that upward climb to where, all right, they can be counted on once the season begins?
1: We know what we're going to get from veterans that have been in the league for a handful of years. For those guys, as you mentioned, the, the second year, the third year, and the rookie, I saw something that was that was interesting during the open port during the open portion of practice the defensive line and the outside linebackers were kind of stationed right in front of us and Cam Thomas was working a lot with BJ Ojulari going over his reps on the the dummy back that they were going against when coach Rodriguez was giving them the the tricks that they needed to do after each time Cam Thomas would go and they would t- he would go talk to BJ Ojulari and it's kind of like that they know that they're in this together being the younger guys, Cam Thomas having just experienced what BJ is about to experience. So you see that from one another. But the NFL it's a ruthless business and you got to come in and you got to perform especially like Buddha Baker when he spoke to us in the beginning portion of camp, he said when it was when we were talking about his contract But if I don't perform, no one's bringing me back anyway. And that's the standard. That's the mindset for all these guys from the vets all the way down to the rookies. You can't be that one hit wonder and say, wow, I remember when they had a good game. You got to have good games. You
0: can't have a bad day or if you do have a bad day, it better be followed up by an outstanding day to where it's like, "Okay, that's just going to happen during the course of a long offseason training camp, but make sure that it's a one off and not something that becomes consistent or a habit. Anyone else on Saturday that you want to see either for the first time or just, again, against a, again, better quality opponent – than what the Cardinals faced in the opener against the Denver Broncos. Although, say this, offensively, that first-team offense with Russell Wilson was on the field for the majority of the first half. Again, the expectation, head coach Andy Reid says he plans to play his starters the entire first half. We'll see if that changes depending on what happens during the course of the game. But you're going to see the Super Bowl champs, that first half, On Saturday night,
1: the person I want to see take the field 100% is Kaiser White, especially if he's going to be wearing that green dot and he's going to be controlling the the defense. We saw that Josh Woods did a pretty solid job with that first unit on the defense. Then Owen Papo, Nick Rollis said today, they gave him they gave the rookie the green dot and to see a rookie manage that position. It's pretty impressive in and of itself, especially in his first game. But Kaiser White, we know the expectations that he has coming into the Cardinals program from his previous time in Philadelphia with JG, with Nick Rollis. The the coaching staff knows what they're going to get out of him. To see Kaiser White on the field donning that number seven red jersey, you want to see how he's going to perform, how his communication is with his fellow defenders. Because as I mentioned, Josh Woods did a pretty solid job and so did Owen Papo. But you want to see the guys that are definitely going to be making the plays on the field. And Kaiser White's going to be the one calling the plays on the field for that defense. So would love to see how he gets out there and the communication he has with his guys.
0: That last part, the communication, I think maybe more so than what he does as far as tackles or making plays. But getting the signal, getting the play call from the sideline, and then being able to relay it to his teammates. Yeah, you can do it out here on the field in practice, but... Now in a stadium full of people, game setting, the acoustics are different. It is much louder. And then in a game setting, regardless if it's preseason, as DJ Humphrey's talked about earlier in the week, your juices start flowing, you step between the white lines, and all of a sudden it doesn't matter to you or you don't start thinking about, oh, it's a preseason versus a regular season game. But just the operations, going back to that term, from – Nick Rollis to Kaiser White to the 10 other players on the field, how does that look as opposed to someone else? So even though Kaiser did not play in that first game, yeah, maybe a series or two, especially against the Chiefs, would bode well for the entire operation of the defense. And I would say Nick Rollis spoke
1: today about how whether he was going to be up in the coach's booth or if he was going to be on the sidelines. When he was in Philly, he was in the the coach's booth, and he worked with the linebackers like Kaiser White. He said he liked it being on the sidelines against the Denver Broncos. He will be back on the sidelines for Saturday's game against the Kansas State Chiefs. That communication, relaying the plays in from your coaching staff to the players to ultimately put the play onto the field, that is incredibly important. And with that new coaching staff, with now Kaiser White has to get used to Nick Rolls calling it from the sidelines. Nick does not have the bird's eye view anymore. He's down on the field. He's right in the trenches. And he said when he was... In that linebacker spot when he was coaching the linebackers in Philly, he couldn't detect runs as easily. Now he's seeing the whole operation, and calling that play in and making sure you get the right play is important. So I think that the communication between Nick Rollis and Kaiser White, that's 1 and 1A, and then
0: 1A and 1C is going to be Kaiser White talking to the defense. The face-to-face conversation versus over-the-phone I mean, that's something that oh, sometimes yeah. where you are on that coach's pecking order, yeah, it's better to be on the sideline. Sometimes it's better to be in the booth. Nick Rollis right now, given his position as defensive coordinator, prefers being on the sideline for that face-to-face conversation with the with his defensive teammates or defensive team. So that's just – it's, again – Part of this learning curve for everyone right here and what the preseason is all about. By the way, speaking of face-to-face conversation, has anyone told you that you're a part of Saturday's pregame coverage that begins at 1.30? Uh, you you told me. Oh, okay. Has just want to make changed? sure you're paying attention. Has anything changed? No, just make sure you're there at 1.30. Not maybe to be there early, before uh, that. But yeah, before they're there. But, but one thirty
1: sharp. Just because the shot clock's going
0: down doesn't mean I want to shoot it right at 1.00. <laughs> By the way, we'll let you go uh, change, uh, dry yeah. off a little bit, or if you want to, uh, I don't know, maybe you, you know, put the shorts on eBay and say Jonathan Ledbetter's sweat stain. What should the starting bid be? Oh, yeah, you might have to pay your own money to get someone <laughs> to take that off your hands. I mean, I wouldn't blame him. I wouldn't <laughs> bid. <laughs> More from young Zach Gershman coming up on Saturday. Again, preseason game number two, the defending Super Bowl champions in town, Cardinals and Kansas City Chiefs. The last time, Bird Gang, that you can see the Cardinals in that building before the season begins and week two when the Cardinals host the New York Giants. But that's for another day. Again, Cardinals and Chiefs coming up at 5 o'clock, 1 Pre-game coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network and on that note we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals as always special thanks to our executive producer Jim Omohundro our associate producer Cody Fincher for Zach Gershman I'm Craig Riolu we'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals cover two